Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. Well, there's such a sense of God's presence here. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart? Father, we just love being in your presence. But Father, we we do believe that today you want to sow some seeds into these hearts. So Father, we ask you to come with the spirit of wisdom, with revelation. Pray, Father, that as we open up our hearts to you, you will sow those seeds into each one of us. But also corporately, there'll be something that's sown into us, sown into the spirit realm. Trust the power of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's great to be here. My goodness, you have a nice area here. So we went walking last yesterday evening along the coast. We didn't go, what do you call it? What was that word? Plodging. We didn't go plodging. (laughs) (laughs) but it was very tempting I just want to spend the first 45 minutes just laying some basic principles a basic foundation and framework which will fill in during the day but just the, the whole basic foundational things of prayer and uh, I'm going to go from Luke 11. I'm not going to read through the whole thing because most of you will know it backwards. But I'm going to be referring to that as a passage. But this passage in Luke 11, Luke, remember, was, was a doctor. Very practical, very focused. And uh, you know, he reminds us that uh, in Luke 10 that all the disciples have been sent, sent out to do the simple things like raising the dead and casting out demons and healing the sick. But they came back in Luke 11. And they didn't ask him how to do all of that. They asked him the most important things. How do you get connected to the source of power? How do you get connected? Teach us to pray. And in this whole prayer realm, we're looking at how do we connect? How do you and I little you and I connect to this power source because somehow they saw that Jesus knew how to get connected and the power of God just started flowing. And so Jesus then begins to teach them a very simple framework of prayer and it was different levels of prayer or different types of prayer. And I won't read through all the verses but you can read them some other time. But from verse 2 to 4, He talks about the basic level of praying as a child. Now, this is the prayer of intimacy. He teaches them the Our Father, and we're going to go through that in a little while. This is the prayer of intimacy. Then from verse 5 to 13, he goes to a slightly different level of prayer, which is praying as a covenant friend. And this is the prayer of intercession. Then from verse Uh, about 14 to 28, he then talks about praying as a, uh, literally just as a a warrior, literally just a, yes, (laughs) exactly, a kingdom warrior that knows how to break through. And this is the prayer, and I use this word because it's what it is. It's the prayer of indignation because it's not from your natural character. It's something that comes from within. It's a prayer of indignation. You shall not pass. <laughs> like Lord of the Rings. And, but then at the end, from verse about 29 to 32, he talks about praying and an heir. And this is the prayer of inheritance. And we're going to go through the, these four different levels of prayer because they are so different. Obviously, all interlinked, but they're different types of prayer. And uh, then r- throughout the day, Rachel's going to be leading us in a lot of this. But first of all, praying as a child. Now, this is really very much my world, your world. It's the prayer of intimacy. And most of us all believe in prayer, but the foundational thing is, does my prayer work? You know, I'd, 
I believe it, but God will my prayer work. Now, I was really convinced by this when I heard a story way, way back at the beginning of my prayer life about this American pastor, TV evangelist, who just got fried. He just was burnt out, and he decided to take his family on a break. He just needed space because he just felt God had lost his telephone number, didn't know where God had gone. So he was at miles away, hundreds of miles away in a camper van, and feeling frustrated, they pulled up at a gas station, and um, as his family went off to get a burger, he just paced around the gas station, and he heard the telephone going. Now, the, t the telephone is a nightmare to any pastor, but he just eventually thought nobody's going to answer it, so he picked it up, and uh, the voice at the other end said, is that pastor Ken Garb, not Ken Gott, Ken Garb, and he said, he thought he was on Candid Camera. He thought, what is going on here? And he said, well, how did you know I was here? I mean, middle of the desert, in a gas station. And then the, the, the operator said, let me connect you to this lady. So he got connected to this lady. He said, Pastor, I am so excited to get hold of you. He said, she said, I was about to commit suicide. I've been so miserable. But she said, as I was about to commit suicide, I, had re I just remembered your face on the TV, and I thought if only I could get in touch with that pastor on the, the TV, he could help me. And suddenly into my mind came this jumble of telephone numbers. And she said, it came again. She said, Pastor, I am so excited that God gave me your office telephone number. He said, lady, this ain't no office. I'm in the middle of the desert. And he led this, per this lady to the Lord, and her life was transformed. Now, if God can answer the prayers of a little lady who didn't even know Jesus, how much more, I mean, come on, how much more is he going to listen to our heart cries? And this is why I, I just began to think, no, he hears this. But the thing is, we tend to pray, 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 but often we don't mix the vital ingredient, which is faith. And I remember when I, uh, I got saved. I got saved at Cambridge University when I was trying to disprove Christianity. But I got saved because I was victimized by prayer. I was such a pain in the neck to all of these God Squad people that the, they began to pray for me, and I felt prayer coming at me. And I, I could feel the power of it. And it just chased me. But you know, Hebrews 11 says that prayer is substance. First, prayer is the sub, uh, prayer, faith. Faith is the substance. And you see, pr God answers prayers of faith. He doesn't just answer any old prayer. I remember praying for three months, just digging myself into a trench. Nothing happened. And then what, a little Ghanaian boy walked up to me and he just said, God is desperate to break through to you. And I, I was shocked. He, he just said, look, God, show me that you're just digging yourself into this trench of unbelief. God answers prayers of faith. And faith is the substance. And that's what prayer should be. Faith, prayer should be substance. It should be the evidence. There should be something tangible. And you see... What, what this whole realm is about is the seed of the word. The Bible calls it the seed, the sperma of the, the sperma, seed of the word, which he sows into the womb of our spirit, which germinates. And the germination of the seed of the word in our spirit, that's faith. Faith is the germination of that seed in the womb of our spirit. That begins life. And that's what we've got to take. We've got to take the word of God into us. It's got to be germinated by faith, and then it begins to grow. And then eventually it will give birth to something. That is the process. But it's all in this whole realm of intimacy. Now, nobody can teach you how to be intimate. Nobody teaches you when you get married to be intimate. Your prayer life with God is your prayer life. You can read lots of other people's ways of doing it. Don't be mesmerized by other people's way. You have got to develop your way of being intimate. Amen? It, it's got to be 
God, this is how you and I connect. Yes, the Bible says daily we've got to connect with him, but how do you do it? Often we, we, we connect by in, on our doggy walk, <laughs> walking the dog when you're miles away from lots of other people. But for me, for much of my life, it's just been sinking to my knees on the carpet, breaking bread, often on a daily basis, and just saying, God, I can't do this without you. You are in covenant with me. I need you. It's connecting to him. Sometimes it's just praying the promises. Sometimes it's speaking in tongues. Sometimes it's, it's getting up in the middle of the night and just being alone. But whichever way you do it, you've got to know that you know I'm intimate. Is he your father? And that's what this whole two to four verse is, is about. Our father who art in heaven. And you see, that whole you know, the Lord's Prayer, it's teaching us foundational principles, how to get correctly related, how to get correctly resourced from heaven, how to get correctly reconciled with other people, how to get correctly renewed in terms of our emotional strength and energy and everything else, and then how to get correctly refocused, the kingdom, the power, the glory. And so, it's, it's, it's from that place of intimacy, all of those things flow. But you and I have got to develop that and develop the ways of doing that. Now, I had no clue about prayer. You know, when I entered that realm of prayer, mine was very, very much a baby prayer. But, you know, we start as a child, but we've got to begin to grow up. And I grew up in the prayer realm when... I, I was 10 years in the army, but I left the army and I set up, a, um, I went into business for five years. I ran a company uh, working into the Middle East. But when I started it, I sadly did it my way. You know, God had told me to do it, but I did it my way. And I ended up in some severe trouble. We ended up in the high court. And I was in Korea at the time. My clients were in Korea. And... Uh, I had no idea. You know, Rachel rang me up and said, darling, we're in the high court. We're going to lose everything. And I woke up that morning and I said, God, what do I do? Do I stand firm and fight this or do I just give in? And um, I was amazed. I walked through Seoul Korea to my next thing, business. And in the middle of Seoul Korea, I just met this little group of nuns. And they just suddenly turned to me. They were from Germany. And they said, we have the word of God for you. And they gave me a little... Mother Basilia Schlink um, bi bookmarker, you know, those Bible markers. And it said this, it said, stand firm and persevere, because I know the trouble that you have entered today, but I have already determined the time when I will come to your rescue. I thought, wow, how does God do this? <laughs> and the church that I was working with at the time said, you need to go to Prayer Mountain. So I went up to the top of Prayer Mountain. And um, they just locked me in this grotto. There are about 10,000 other people praying around Prayer Mountain. They locked me in this grotto overnight. We will come back in the morning and see you. <laughs> Literally, you can't even stand up in these caves. I hadn't got a clue what to do. I, I didn't know how to pray. And suddenly, the spirit of prayer fell on me. I can't explain it, but it, it is the spirit of prayer that just floods. I prayed nonstop all night. And I heard God speak to me. I knew exactly what was going to happen in the future. Yes, it took a long, long time to happen. But it taught me you've got to, you've got to connect. Not only intimately, but you've got to connect to that, that flow of the Spirit that comes in prayer. It's by the Holy Spirit. So that's the basic level. Then the second level of prayer is praying at a slightly higher level. Because it's not my world. It's other people's world. This is the prayer of a covenant friend, the prayer of intercession. Intercession is standing before God on behalf of other people. It's not me, my, I. And you see, in this world, you've got to know that you know you're in covenant with the living God. If you don't know that all that you have is his, but then all that he has is yours, then you don't even know where to start. Because you've got to have that faith to believe that up there in the spiritual realm, 
I can see things and bring them down for other people. I can connect with things in the spiritual realm and draw them down from heaven to earth. Amen? So it's in this realm that you discover God's heart for the lost. Obviously, there's 1 Timothy 2 that God wants all men. That doesn't mean just a few. It means all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's got to be that sense that everybody out there is on his list. It's not just a few who are chosen. It's everybody out there. He wants all men to be saved. And then 2 Peter um, chapter 3, verse 9, that he wants, doesn't want anybody to perish, but everybody to come to repentance. So if you know that you're in covenant with him, the key in this whole passage is your boldness. You know the story that Jesus told. He said that if somebody's got a, a friend who comes knocking on the door and says, I need, I need something, then you've got nothing. You go to your friend and you knock on the door saying, come on, I need three loaves for my friend. So people come to us with their needs. We've got nothing. So we've got to go to the door of heaven and start knocking until something happens. Now, why did Jesus tell it that way? Because he was saying, when you have a situational need like that, it will look as though heaven's closed, God's gone to bed, and he's not interested. He said, that's how it will always feel when you're approaching in prayer for other people's needs. But because of your boldness, it'll happen. So your boldness is the key to opening this realm of prayer. And boldness comes from knowing I've got a covenant. He's my covenant friend. I know that I know I can draw something down from him for this situation. Now, our little girl, Nicola, got that when she was a little kid. I mean, seven years old. You know, we, ha we had been cruising around Africa and Asia. I was the crusade director for a man called Reinhard Bonnke, organizing these national crusades around Africa and Asia. Nicola just grew up in that environment, so it just became part of her life. And I remember we got back to England, <coughs> Nicola was seven years old then, and I was being a very grumpy dad. I was digging out all the roots of trees outside of our front lawn. And I just, th I just thought, I can't do this. I just don't have the strength to pull these tree trunks out. And my little daughter comes running out with a, um, a toy JCB. And she said, Daddy, this is what you need to ask Jesus for. And Nina, I was not a very nice dad. Shoo. <laughs> I woke up the next morning. And obviously, my little girl had been getting to work in prayer. I drew back the curtain, and there was a JCB <laughs> on the drive. You ordered me, Gov. I said, no, I didn't order it. And then my little girl come running out, yes, we did, yes, we did, yes, we did. <laughs> and she obviously thought, well, God, this is what Daddy needs. And he'd come to the wrong address. But he so loved our, my, our little girl that he went and did his job. And then he came back, and he pulled out these tree trunks for, for free. That's what boldness does. That's what knowing daddy does. You know that you know. You can draw something down from heaven. This is a particularly important. But in this passage, those verses, which is from 5 to 13, he says something very significant. He, he talks about that you've got to ask. You've got to seek. You've got to knock. And you've got to believe that the Holy Spirit is guaranteed how much more remember those words how much more will your heavenly father give to you we've got to believe that and so when we're praying for family members and friends and and other people we've got to remember that we need all of god we need the three loads we need the father the son we need the holy spirit we've got to somehow to connect with all of god to be able to draw heaven down now, it's so important that we understand that this, the Holy Spirit, it's a spirit of prayer. The Holy Spirit comes and empowers us. You know the scripture well from Romans 8, 26, that in the same way, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, he helps us, what? In our area of weakness. So prayer is definitely our area of weakness. <laughs> Anybody got it as an area of strength? You see, we all know it's the area of weakness. But it's the Holy Spirit who comes into that area of weakness. And it says we don't know what we should pray for, but the Holy Spirit 
himself intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. So that's so important to know that. Now, in this whole realm of understanding what covenant is, you know, we get the exchange, all that's in heaven is given to us. Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, he said, listen, don't start fighting with your weapons. The weapons we fight with are not our own carnal weapons. They are mighty. They're, they're, they're from the Spirit of God. And they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. Things in the spiritual realm which have, uh, are happening. Things in people's minds. You've got to believe that the weapons you have as you pray are not your shouting, your loudness, or, or, or anything that you have. Literally, you are connecting to an authority, a power, and the spirit of prayer is pouring through you. It's so important to understand that. And so we have an authority over the mindsets that have congealed in people's minds, over the excuses that they have why they shouldn't be doing God's work, over the demonic lies that have been sown into their, 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 their spirits by the devil. That's why Paul, when he was writing to Ephesian church, he said, I'm praying for something to happen. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be opened, enlightened. Let there be light. Because he realizes that the devil tries to put these shutters up. He tries to just shield you from getting that revelation. Let there be light. And those shields around your spirit are those mindsets, those excuses, those demonic lies. As you speak, let there be light. Come on, God, let that word break through. What you're doing is you're interceding before heaven for something to happen in your friend's heart. Because often their hearts are so hardened, so damaged, so wounded, that actually they can't see what's going on. But as you pray for the Spirit to come, their hearts get softened and softened and softened, and then eventually something opens, and they begin to get touched by the, the Spirit of God. So we need to realize that that realm of prayer is so important. We're praying as a covenant friend. So the third layer, third level of praying is then praying as a kingdom warrior. You, <laughs> you like that one, obviously. Uh, praying, now this is the prayer of indignation. Something happens in you that just comes up from the inside. Do you remember uh, Paul was being pursued by um, this d demonized girl that kept on saying all sorts of things about him? Suddenly indignation rose up within. He turned and just rebuked that demon. It was actually in indignation that just fuses it. It's not a human characteristic. You know, you could be two foot high and just the Spirit of God can come and confront that thing. And you, you can see it with, with young mums, with their kids. You know, if anybody comes to bully their kid, you know, watch out. The lion will, will, will roar. So there is a warrior, but it's by the Spirit that comes up from within. And Luke 11.22 says, But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted, and he divides up the spoil. Now, the someone stronger is the Holy Spirit. He, he overcomes. But there is armor in which the devil trusts. Often the devil just sits back because he knows that there's all kinds of things which are going to stop prayer being answered. Division between churches, division between married couples, any kind of division, it's just like it blocks the spiritual realm. Bitterness, you know, all those different things. He just, that's the armor the enemy depends on. All the stuff that we get tricked by and allowed to come into. So we've got to be wise. And Proverbs uh, 21 verse 22 says, A wise man not only attacks the city of the mighty, but he pulls down the strongholds in which they trust. That means we've got to deal with the strongholds. And what you've got to realize is that inside every human being, there is an open field. And that open field is the field that God sows into, 
the seed of his word, but it's the field that the devil also sows into. And what happens is that when we go through times of pain or difficulty or trauma, a little crack appears in the soil and bloop, the enemy sows in a seed. You go through a time of, of incredible rejection, that crack appears, and the devil sows in that little seed of anger, self-rejection, all those things. Or you get uh, severely abused and a crack appears in the soil, the, the devil sows in a little seed of fear, anxiety. You know, this is not you, it's sin sown into you. And often the devil says, no, it's you. No, it's seed that's sown into you during those times because it starts as an open field, clear field. And we've got to recognize the seed that is sown into people, but also the seed that has become demonized. Because you see, some seed, you can be angry, the Bible says be angry, but don't sin and give the devil a foothold. You know, some of these seeds can just be a little seed inside you of jealousy or whatever it is, but sometimes it can get demonized and a compulsive character trait begins to develop within you. There's a compulsive anger or there's compulsive lust or there's a compulsive fear, you know, all of these different things. When you begin to see something that's compulsive, unable to be stopped, you need to wake up. There is a demonic root there. We need to break it. And something of indignation needs to come up and rebuke that wicked thing and just say, no, this is going. This is not going to hold here. Now, we, the Bible say, says, we have divine power to set people free. But we mustn't be fearful ourselves. But Jesus, in this passage, Luke 11, he does say, look, there are conditions to this. If you're going to get involved in spiritual warfare, and I could preach for hours on this, but very quickly, don't, get, don't mess with spiritual warfare unless there's unity, unless you are working in the whole area of kingdom faith, not just presumption, that you know that you know that there's kingdom faith, the finger of God is going to be rebuking those things. Thirdly, that you've done the air warfare first. I'm a soldier. So, you know, you do the air warfare before you go in on the land. You've got to deal with that in the spiritual realm before you begin to go in. There's got to be something of like that. Then it's all or nothing. You'll find all these in, this, in the passage. You don't just play at it. If you're going to connect with spiritual warfare, it's all or nothing. You give it everything. The last two are that you've you will succeed, you will get that demonic presence out, but don't leave them alone. You have to fill that place with the Spirit of God. If you don't get it filled, the Bible says seven times worse, we'll come back in. So you've got to make sure that when people get free in this area of demonization, they get filled with the Spirit. And the final thing is, whatever God says, just do it. Obey. Because in spiritual warfare, God tells you to do things which are crazy. They just don't make human sense. You've just got to do it. Prophet Nike, just do it. And supernaturally, the power of God just breaks through. We found in, in many places, uh, you know, we worked with Reinhard Bonnke uh, in his crusades for many, many years. But in the crusade, we always had a tent, which was a deliverance tent. And so... Anybody who began to, to manifest was taken, we called it the pig pen, because it sounded like a pig pen. And special ministry area. <laughs> but, it, but people would get delivered over there. You know, they would be dragged out manifesting. And the authority of those ministry people would just rebuke the things, and very quickly they'd get delivered. So we kind of grew up with that. And w we saw it a lot in Argentina. You know, you don't have to be old. We even see it so with young kids, children, just praying for deliverance and people getting free. I remember when uh, we had a lot to do with Soul Survivor because it, it started in our, when we were in Watford, it was started in our church lounge. And so we used to do a lot of prayer work with Soul Survivor. But I remember in some of the early days, a Satanist came into the tent. And um, I don't know why he wanted to be in a Christian meeting, but obviously there was a hunger in him. But this Satanist with all this satanic clothes and symbols on him, just began to manifest during the worship. And so the counselor came and grabbed me and said, what do I do? So I took this boy out, and I just said, look, 
you're obviously, obviously hungry for God, otherwise you wouldn't be here. I want you to write down all the things that you've been involved in. And I just want you to recognize that all of those things have b become the, pl the landing ground for this demonic that you can feel in your body. I said, write it all out. So he wrote up all these things he'd been involved in. And I said, I want you now just to ask God to forgive you for being involved in those. And we're going to just get rid of them from your body. I want you to take a deep breath. Then I want you to, just as you breathe out, I want you just to expel all of that stuff. And then as I lay my hands on you, I want, to just, I want you to just drink in the Holy Spirit. This guy just, just groaned all of this stuff out. And then as he breathed in, it was like a light bulb went on. And he instantly started speaking in tongues. And I thought, wow, God, that's cool. How do you do this? <laughs> I tried to pretend to the counselors that this happens every time. But, <laughs> but I thought, wow, God, that is amazing. That just in a second. And I thought, no, that is right. You clear it out, but you've got to fill. And then he takes over. And we've got to realize that the it's by the Spirit that these things happen. So that is the indignation. And that comes from deep within. Then coming to the, f the final one, praying as a son and heir, the prayer of inheritance. Now, you need to understand this area of inheritance because the Bible says in, G in Galatians 3 that by faith, you and I are the sons of God. Now, in the Bible, this sons are male and female. In Christ, there's neither male nor female, slave nor free, etc. You've got to realize that. The son is the huyos, 30 years old, with the character of the father, and with the right to inherit all of the father's power, wealth, uh, possessions. So by faith, you and I can become the sons, not the natural son. Jesus was the natural son. Age 30, he stepped into it as the natural son, and uh, y y he understood that realm. We are the adopted sons. We step by faith to become the adopted sons. And by faith, we can receive that character of God into our lives. But also, all that he has is mine. We have the right of inheritance. And you've got to realize here. Let me, no, let me take you back to Psalm 2. You, you know Psalm 2, verse 7 and 8. He said, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Now ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. He's saying, come on, sonship is about inheriting nations. It's not about just me, my I, your world. It's not just about intercession for other people. It's not even about just indignation against demonic powers. God says, listen, there's a way, there's a, a realm of prayer where you as Christians, as the body of Christ, can get to a place where you begin to possess whole communities, whole nations. You shift the spiritual power of nations. Principalities and powers can get moved out when the church begins to function correctly in this realm of prayer. It is totally different. And I believe that this today is Jericho hour, when these demonic walls are coming down through prayer. We're seeing the demonic walls uh, of secularism, materialism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. We see them just beginning to crumble. I worked for the last seven years running a ministry called Mahabba, which means love in Arabic, but just mobilizing people to reach Muslims. We have seen thousands of Muslims coming to Christ. But it's God's time. There are millions around the world. Sorry? Thousands all around Europe and, and Engl in England. But around the world, it's millions. These strongholds are coming down. We are living in Jericho hour. And often in Fortress Europe, we don't realize what's going on around the world. This is a time of incredible power. But we've got to understand the power of this thing of prayer. But prayer without action is dead. James 2.17. We've got to actually do something. We've got to get in and step in and, and make things happen. When we first joined the, the Reinhard Bonke team, we, we literally joined as part of the prayer team. But after a week, Reinhard Bonke called me to his office 
And uh, have you heard of, right, he called me to his office. He's a uh, quite a sort of a, um, bold German. He called me to his office and he said, oh, God has spoken to me. You must be my crusade director. And he said, I want you to go up to Malawi and hold mm. a, a national crusade. I said, I haven't got a clue what to do. I've never organized a Christian tea party. I, I don't, I haven't. He, said, I, he said, it's easy. Just do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Now go. <laughs> so he sent us off to Malawi. But the key, the key in those words, just do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. This thing of obeying God in stupid things, you've got to know that you're hearing God. You know that you're taking that sperma, that seed of the Word of God, into your spirit. You're germinating it with faith. As you step out, all hell breaks loose against you. You'll find it's pretty well every time. When you've heard God and you step out, the devil will try every way to stop you. Obviously, it's Often it's just a signature that you are bang on target. And so we found that every, the, the first crusade we did was Malawi. We arrived in Malawi uh, and uh, heaven just came down. We had phenomenal prayer in the church at 5 o'clock in the morning. I mean, they were just packed, in a prayer revival. But after a little while, we, we had an incredible attack. And uh, the inspector general of police called me to the, the capital and said, you people have got to go. You cannot stay. Uh, and I didn't realize that the organization had been kicked out twice before. They hadn't told me that in case it would dent, dent my faith. But God, as I prayed, gave me a gift of faith. And he just said, you've got to, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And so I went to see one of the government ministers, and God just bonded me with him. But he happened to be a friend of the Inspector General of Police. He arranged a personal interview with the Inspector General. When I arrived at the Capitol... They said, I want your passport, we're going to stamp it, prohibited immigrant, never come back. But they said, he said, just come into my office. He took me into his office, and he just said, tell me, why do you keep coming back to this nation? And I just said, I, I just had 10 minutes for him. I just said, look, God has given us a word for this nation. He actually gave Rachel a word that in this nation he was going to do wonders that had never been done before in any other nation through our ministry. He was going to turn this nation round to Christ. It was extraordinary. <coughs> the Spirit of God fell so powerfully on this guy, he closed the door, locked the door, picked off the telephone, took the telephone off the hook, and then knelt down by his chair, gave his life to Jesus. Then he opened the door and he said, these people have a message from God for our nation. Whatever they want, give it to them. It was literally just complete change. We, went, we called it the Malawi miracle because we'd always just been using the world's largest tent, about 34,000. But it suddenly, we weren't allowed to use a tent. We weren't allowed to use a national stadium. Yeah, tent had been blown up. But anyway, <coughs> we ended up on a big field. Within a week, we had 150,000 people. Unbelievable. Thousands running to Christ. Demoniacs in chains getting free. Blind eyes open. Cripples walking. Unbelievable breakthrough. But we had to step into it. And God, when we first started talking, said the key here is united prayer and action. You've got to step into it and walk through all the demonic. We just saw the most extraordinary things happening. So much happened that they closed Parliament and asked us to come to Parliament and explain what was happening in the nation. And Reinhard Bonker just spoke for an hour about the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse the stain in a nation. They were so moved, they closed Parliament, and they gave him the Speaker's Chamber. And one by one, these ministers came in and knelt down, repented, and gave their lives to Christ. But I think it was just over 50% of the ministers gave their lives to Christ. It was literally a turning in a nation. That happens when we pray the prayers of a son. We've got to understand we have a divine power which we do not use. We've got to learn how to establish a prayer basis where we can begin to rule and reign. We can dominate something in the spiritual realm. So those, I'll just quickly mention a few things, but those are the four main areas of prayer. But just a few final thoughts. We are just like New Testament priests in, in prayer. We're carrying 
the blood of Jesus in prayer to minister. But the principles are identical whether you're praying for a person, a community, or for a nation. You see, a, a human being has a soul. A community has a soul. A nation has a soul. You've got to understand what has wounded the soul of this person, this community, this nation. You need to ask the Holy Spirit, what is the wound of this community? Bring the blood of Jesus there. It will open. When we arrived in Oxford, God spoke to us that he wanted to heal the wound of Oxford 450 years before, exactly 450 years before, in the center of Oxford where Cranmer, Latimer, Ridley were, were killed by the Catholics. And then the Protestants also m martyred some, some 23 Catholics. It was a wound that split the body of Christ. So we, we gathered all the churches, 50 churches together. We all gave up our services, stood together, thousands of people in the center of Oxford. And I'd written a liturgy that, we, that, that basically as all the ministers stood shoulder to shoulder in the city, it was called Love Oxford. We ask God to forgive us for 450 years and ask for the blood of Jesus to cleanse the stain in our city and our nation. And we made a pledge to stand before the banner of the cross to proclaim Christ to the nation. Something shifted in the spiritual realm from that moment. Such unity, such a sense of, wow, something's opening. The wells of revival are beginning to open up. And we, we just thought, wow, we need to pursue this. I don't know what the wounds are here in the, in the area. We, we need to recognize that the blood of Jesus can cleanse and reopen the deep wells of revival in any place. All of this is supernatural, but one of the foundational things you mustn't forget is it comes from a person. There has to be brokenness. If you read all the revival history, you hear finally a cry of brokenness. You hear Evan Roberts, 1904, Lord, bend me. God, what is it in me that's the blockage? You hear the cry in 1949 in the Hebrides, Lord, are our hands clean? Are our hearts pure? We can't blame it out there. It's right in here. This is the place of the explosion of the Spirit. God explodes revival through here. And what he looks for is a little revival core of people that are willing to come to that brokenness. And when they come through that time and they're gripped by the Spirit of God, something of the boldness has got to come with, out of them. No political correctness. Their voice has got to be heard. They've got to begin to declare. They've got to begin to speak. They've got to declare. Rachel calls it royal intercession. Not just pleading with God. We're literally on the throne of heaven, having heard what he said and declaring, this is what God is going to do. This shall happen. You shall not pass. This shall stop. This, and literally, royal intercession is decreeing things from the throne. That shifts history, but it's our voice. Now, those, that's a basic foundation, very simple foundation and framework. Let's stand, shall we? And then Rachel's going to come and lead us in some prayer. So, Father, we want to thank you. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be vessels, channels of this incredible thing of prayer. Now, Holy Spirit, will you come and over today, Father, I pray that you do something so deep in us that we would realize that we are being called to handle a nuclear power source. Something that can shift people, shift communities, shift nations. And Father, we do not want to be limited in any way. We ask you to come and do something deep in us. Let faith come today. Let revelation come. Let boldness come. Let our voice be unstopped. Strip away political correctness and all the other things, Father. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. So let's go right back to the beginning of Luke 11, 1. 
And the disciples saw that Jesus was praying in a certain place. And they came to him and said, Lord, teach me to pray. So I want you to ask, where are the areas where you just feel I need to increase my fluency, my language? God, teach me to pray. My prayer life has got stuck and limited. Just press in, knock on that door of heaven. Just as you made this a house of worship, now make it a house of prayer. Just break that sound barrier and pray to God. Just pray out loud. Pray in your way. Just exactly like you would sing now, pray. God, we just want to talk to you. We want you to hear our voice. We ask you right now, teach us to pray. God, we just ask you to break every limitation. We ask you to put a new fluency where our language has got stilted, where we felt that we can't do it. We come as little children into the presence presence of God. Daddy, here we are. God, just help us pray. Put a fresh spirit of prayer upon us. Pour out your spirit upon us and we receive the Holy Spirit. Just drink it in. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And we receive the spirit of communication. We receive that spirit of life. We receive that ability to pray. Who? My daddy, come on, just talk to him, my daddy. Let him see your face. Let him hear your voice. Talk to him. Child to daddy, daddy, this is what I need. Daddy, this is what I want. Daddy, this is where I feel downside. Daddy, this is where I'm constricted. Daddy, this is where I'm frustrated. Oh God, I'm crying out to you. Hear my cry. God, answer my request. God, hear me in the morning time. This is who I am, Jesus. So lift up your face. <laughs> lift up your face. Let Daddy see your face. Let him hear your voice. Break every sound barrier, every place you feel silence, every prayer where every place where your prayer life has just got stilted. Father, we open it up. Child of my father. <laughs> Talking to you, Lord. These are the concerns, these are the worries. <laughs> Receive it, Lord. <sighs> and then Gordon said that other type of prayer, that prayer of intercession, standing in the gap. Pulling it in. I want you to think about a need. And I want you literally to see yourself standing in the back. And I want you to knock on the door of heaven for them. I don't want it to be your situation, your issue. It can be from the nation to someone you know in your workplace, family. But just take a moment, knock on that door of heaven. Say, Father, I want to knock on the door of heaven right now for this situation. Father, I'm asking you right now, this situation, let it move. Not for you, but for someone else. Right now, just by faith, we are going to knock on the door of heaven. We're going to ask you, the good Father who's in heaven, to hear a cry for this person, this marriage, this finance, this job, this community, this nation, this government. God, we come to you and we ask beyond ourselves. Pray in the Spirit. Pray. I just really have a sense that we need to knock on some doors and so literally doors will be open. Ask, you will receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be open to you. So Father, we are knocking. <laughs> we reverse every curse. Father, I thank you. This is a turnaround moment for some people right now. I want you just to see them and just say, it turns around right now. It turns around right now. I 
I've just got this sense there's someone here that um, maybe even more than one, but Easter time's coming and family time is always complex and difficult. And you are already trying to think how to navigate issues at Easter time because of it. If that's you, just give me, just put your hands up. I want to pray for a turnaround. Yes, right now. If there's anyone, put your hands up. Do open your eyes. If someone's got their hands up right there, there's one, two, three. I want you just to put a loving hand on them, just gently. And we're going to knock on the door of heaven for these situations. Look behind you. It's like on the aircraft. The exit row might be behind you. There's people around. Just get around them. And right now, and if it's if there's already enough people around, then you just pray for other situations. But Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we want to touch these situations within family right now. And we're asking for something utterly supernatural to happen. We're knocking on the door of heaven. If you feel you can, just give them a very quick headline of what the situation, just give it to the people around. If you say, actually, it's just a bit personal, don't worry. But if you can, just give them a first name or one name to the people who are praying with you. That would be great. And then for the rest of us, just, just think of something that you can do. And then we're going to give it one more push in the spirit. One, two, three. Okay, let's all pray. Father, we just pray right now that these situations will turn around. We are just digging in and we believe for miracles. We believe right because we've stood and prayed right here, right now at 11.22. We believe things are going to shift in the spirit. And even this Easter time, it won't be a time of death. It will be a time of life. And we are proclaiming resurrection life in these households, in these relationships, in these families. Turn it around in Jesus' name. Just do miracles. Do miracles. Do miracles, we pray. Father, we receive it. Right now, in Jesus' name, we receive an incredible breakthrough in Jesus' name. Amen.